are back. We are back. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Match Point number nine, a tennis bets podcast. I am your host, David E.J. Berger. You can find our show handle at MP9Tennis on Twitter. And uh, with me, as always, is my main man, Derek, my number one tennis talking bro. Derek, hello. What's up, everybody? Hope you guys all been good since the last time we all got together. There's been some holidays, some downtime with no tennis. Uh, we got a new season on our hands and we got a week in the bag. So let's take a look at that and let's take a look at what we got coming up. It has been a minute since we've been on the mics. We had an amazing episode with Kale Hammond that I think everyone should go back and listen to if this is your first time checking us out. Uh, Kale dropped some evergreen tennis betting nuggets that I think you'll appreciate. Uh, and if you just enjoy hearing us talk, uh, there was just some evergreen player talk as well as we head toward the new year of tennis. Derek, I mean, we're one week in and the action down under has been hot. Yeah, I mean, even if you put that freaking Novak Djokovic hoopla aside, it there's been a lot going on just in tennis alone. It's just guys coming out of the gate, just firing some guys, obviously coming up short. And so tennis is all the same, but we got new activity. Absolutely. And we are a tennis betting podcast. We are going to be talking tennis, but from a gambling perspective, the money line plays, the lines, the overs, we got you covered. Uh, and Derek, you mentioned actually before we got rolling, it, uh, I liked your phrase, a hodgepodge uh, of tournaments in one country happening at the moment. Plenty of plays. And how this works is we typically look back at the tennis that was to talk about takeaways and uh, information we can use moving forward throughout the year. And then we will look ahead at the tennis that will be, talk about some potential plays this week. Uh, with a couple tournaments happening, Adelaide 2 and Sydney. Let's kick it off looking back at last week. Uh, the first week of the year provided a lot of action. We had the ATP Cup. <laughs> Let's start there, Derek. First off, the ATP Cup just getting, you know, shit on all over the timeline as an event. Um, people were not, <laughs> people were not exactly thrilled with its, with its existence, although it's been around for a long time. So I don't know why this hatred was, was, was getting put upon a, a, a pretty established event. I know there was a host of another tennis podcast who, <laughs> who shit all over it. And then also said the labor cup was like the premier event. Like, I mean, <laughs> granted, there was a lot more of a crowd at the labor cup, but I don't, you know, the, the, the attendance was sparse. Uh, at the ATP Cup, but I have to say, overall, the action was pretty good. And and it, while you know, critics want to comment on the purpose, and I mean, as an American tennis fan, I wasn't like exactly rooting for Team America, like didn't really care. But it seemed to matter to the players, and it provided some pretty great matches. Yeah, I mean, haters gonna hate. Sometimes you know what we're haters too. Uh, you can talk crap on the ATP Cup. I get that. Uh, it takes place what right at the beginning of the season we just had davis cup right at the end of last season which sounds like a long time ago if you look at any other sport but it was only a month ago so having these tournaments these team country tournaments back to back is i don't know probably unreasonable for a viewer uh, i don't know if that's like some contract the atp has with australia tennis australia to have that event continuing 
But yeah, it does seem redundant. And also, if you just looked at the rosters for the ATP Cup, you got Spain without Rafa. Rafa's jumping in for his first tournament in a very long time. So maybe he doesn't want to be playing as against the second rank guy or first rank guy. Uh, so then he just gave that job to Busta and RBA. I mean, if you look at the Russian Federation lineup, you got Med, who played with that Safalin guy. Yeah, well, Rublev guys. tested positive for COVID, so I think that's why he wasn't there. I think he was going to be there. So what was up with Hatchinoff, though? He played in that other tournament, too. So then I was kind of confused by that. Um, what Monfils didn't play for France? Uh, seems yeah, like- I mean, you could argue the the team that won or the country that won in Canada had its premier players playing for the squad. No, just respect to Vasek Pospisil, but um, <laughs> Shapovalov and uh, and Felix Felix bringing home the ATP Cup, besting um, Busta and RBA in the finals. To, to take it home. I saw them traveling around Sydney on a boat, uh, celebrating their victories. Pretty funny photo <laughs> actually. Um, but I imagine Canada paid off as a pretty nice future bet. I, I don't think a lot of people I, had them. No, I mean, even like all those people that backed out, I still had a great time watching it. Like watching Canada go through Russia in that doubles match, the doubles rubber match. Oh, that was like a really, really good one. They lost the first set. And then they came back in the second set and then they won the match tie break. And you can just see those look on this kid's face. Like they don't care like who was playing or not. It's like those kids are in their early twenties just having the time of their lives. And those guys have been boys for so long. And then to see him to actually just take the crown in the end was honestly very satisfying. I had more fun watching that than the other two tournaments that were going on. Right. I actually enjoyed the other tournaments uh, a little <laughs> bit more. So we're on opposite sides there. But uh, there was some pretty uh, fun highlights for me. One was the Ugo Umber Medvedev match. Uh, Umber, who I like as a player, but stunk last year, was, uh, as I tweeted out on our uh, account, uh, first team all disappointment. I love that, by the way. <laughs> yeah, well, he, him and Demonor uh, played the, there was a battle of the first teamers of 2020, all disappointment, 2021, all disappointments. But uh, Umber, I thought was, I hate to sound like a fanboy, but he was electric against Medvedev. He was just cashing winners that, I mean, that's, he was playing aggressive. And I think that's how you have to beat Medvedev because he's such a great defensive player. Like you literally have to hit it in places that he's not going to be able to get to it. And um, and Umber was was able to do that. Uh, he went a little bit too hard with his backhand because he was his backhand was quite the weapon in, in that match. Uh, it also was uh, not at times, but uh, overall, I, I was really impressed with that performance. Of course, then he goes out and loses uh, to Demonor the the next time out after uh, Demonor, who got smoked by Medvedev. But uh, I also think Umber just choked away that match against Demonor. They lost a tie break so in the second set but um but yeah man I, I was for sure I was on Umber he was actually the dog in that match at plus 100 so a little bit of home cooking I think probably also helped Demonor being from Australia and um having a little bit of a you know a home vibe feeling like a home match for him but I don't know it was disappointing that we lost that one 
Uh, that was a, a board play that did not go well. We do a free plays board. Good segue there. We do a free plays board on our account. Currently, it's not doing great, but um, it's only the first week of the season. Uh, I'm sure we will trend back up as we go along here and we learn. The board did great in the last half of last year and this year. It's just uh, the first week. We don't really know what to expect. Um, even if we... We like made plays off of Ugo beating Med, and then he eventually lost a demon. Or like you're saying, it's just like I feel like I was comfortable with taking Umber there and everything like that, given his performance. And we do know that he's not the most consistent player, but he does have what it takes. But just his performance level that he had against Med, we just thought that that would have pushed him over the top to be a good play against Demon Or, and uh, some things just don't work out, you know. Yeah, well, Demonor also uh, going full NFL training camp uh, saying he's in, quote-unquote, best shape of his life. So he's got best shape of his life season going on. Does so that mean maybe... he's, like, up to, like, 150 pounds or what? I don't know. <laughs> but it does seem like both of those players uh, cleared their he head a bit from their disappointing 2021s and have a, a, a more of a bright 2022 in store for them. So definitely keep an eye on their prices and their matches ahead because some of that stink might still be affecting the uh, odds makers and, and how they're grading these guys out when it comes to booking them. I want to talk about Shapovalov and uh, Felix real quick. FAA, huge win against Zverev, upset win. I want to, you know, I want to believe in FAA. I also wonder how much Zverev really cared about that match. And if the chips are down and this is like a slam what that level would be like from Zverev. Obviously, you know, I thought the level was pretty good for most players, but I do think that Zverev is a, a guy that can definitely kind of phone it in at times. I don't know what you thought about uh, FAA's run, Derek. Uh, Felix, Felix has been, it seems like he's trying to catch on to what Tony Dodal has been trying to teach him. And it's starting to stick. It seems like what he's, trying to gear his game into whatever that may be. I don't know if that's a more mentality side of maybe hitting bigger targets, but whatever it is, it seems like he's playing a more uh, consistent game and utilizing his strengths more. So I got to think that he's just getting better or he's at where he should be now. So I don't foresee him getting much worse or if he's like absolutely peaking is what I'm saying. And you expect a big dip and then he's kind of just playing out of his league right now. I don't think that's the case. I think this has always been uh, like a thing where we're supposed to hit this potential and for him to beat Zverev is big. Do I think he's going to beat Zverev every time? No. Do I think he's going to beat Zverev half the time? No, but I think that he can probably beat Zverev. I don't know, 30, 40% of the time. What do you think? Yeah, he has uh, wins against Zverev in the past as well. Um, but I will say if Felix FAA was getting, you know, hammered by the Twitter bookies, um, I mean, people were all over, you know, his games under in that Zverev match. And then RBA was a very hot pick on the timeline I saw going into uh, the finals. So, I mean, encouraging for FAA to kind of rise to the moment. I think that's the, that's like the big thing for him is not rising to the moment. And even with um, Shapo as well, um, I, I tweeted out that one of my big takeaways from Shapo is that he's shown zero growth, which 
I think is true, but also he, you know, the player that he is was good enough to beat the guys in front of him. I don't think he had a particularly hard draw uh, in terms of this tournament, you know, he beating Busta to me, is, uh, they, those guys are always play tight matches. He's beat him in the past. So it isn't, it isn't exactly a match where he needed to like level up from 21 to 22 to like win that match. I still think the guy can't really very, very well, but he obviously has the tools to, to put it together to, to beat um, regular average players like Busta. Not that, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's kind of, he's like a, he's a good tour pro. Don't get me wrong, but he's not, a, you know, he's not a slam winner. He's not, it's, uh, you know, I, I yeah, don't yeah. know. that he's a, he's a dude. He's like a, yeah, he's a perennial top 20 player. And yeah. is he a top 10 player? That's the big question, right? And if you're a top 10 player, then that means you're part of the elite pack and there's a big separation between 10 and 20, you know? So I don't know where he's going to be at the end of the year. I would guess on the cusp of making the final again. I think that's where he sits. Like he might be sitting right outside of it again. But as for Fate Leaks, do you think this is the year he finally wins a title? I think so. I think he could win a title. I think in one of these 250s, he he can... <laughs> I, I, I mean, it's all about the draw, right? And I feel like, I mean, it's the final though, really, isn't it? Because he gets the finals. So I don't know. Yeah, he just loses those. I think it's just more of yeah. a mental thing. So I think he hopefully is more mature and stable that he can actually pull off a victory this year. And I think I'm going to say he wins two. You're going to go two tournaments That's, for, well, as we go along here, let's let's try to ID that and cash some FAA tickets along the way, Derek. <laughs> I like that optimism. But yeah. uh, in terms of Shapo, though, man, he had that, um, you know, he had to grind out that win against the Russian guy that we don't really know. <laughs> the guy that's not <laughs> Rublev or Medvedev. <laughs> yeah, the guy yeah. that has to quality into. Or, or Karatsev. Yeah, I, I don't even know who the heck this dude was. And the poor guy, he had to, like, face the second best guy on every single squad. He's going up against guys like Sinner. <laughs> yeah, Chapo took it took all three man uh, all three sets to beat him. I think that there'll be times to still fade Chapo throughout the year. He didn't look like he leveled up, but he's still a great player. So, all right, so well, won. let's um move on to these other tournaments. We had Adelaide one or just Adelaide. They didn't give it the one designation on the ATP side. So, Gail Monfils eviscerated the competition on the way to the title. Beat Hatchinoff in the final. He didn't drop a set the entire tournament, Derek. Covering the game spread in each of his matches against Sarundalo, JM, not his brother, F. <laughs> uh, Tommy Paul, Kakanakis, Kokonakis, how do you say his name? Fuck. Cock. Kakanakis, uh, who had a great tournament, uh, and I tried to fade him in literally in all of his matches. Because <laughs> I think that guy stinks. Um, and then Hotchnoff as well. Um Chilich, he stayed hot. Uh, he was hot to end the year. He stayed in those flames up until the Hanchinoff match where he lost in two sets. I think the big takeaway for me is Monfi is like back back. He's, he, I think like literally getting married like was, I, I don't know. It must've been like a big deal for him or even just the whole COVID thing. He's a hundred percent a different player than he was a calendar year ago. That's for sure. Yeah. I liked his speech that he gave. Uh, after the finals match and he did thank Alina for being by his side and he's talking about how last year was just down and out and he's thinking about just 
the fate of his tennis career. And then she kind of was the whole rock to keep him motivated and keep continuing on and good things will happen. And look what happened last week. It's just like he stormed through that thing. He looked confident. He uh, looked refreshed. He looked like his old self, which is saying a lot for a freaking, what, 35-year-old yeah. at this point. You know, it's like this guy's cruising through an entire tournament without dropping a set at 35, and then we're blowing smoke off of, like, whatever, Rafa for being 36 or whatever. Yeah. yeah oh, and uh, it's nice to see him, though, just to be himself out there. It's got to be aggravating for other players just to watch this guy put on a show. Uh, he's just very enthusiastic and uh, pretty over the top. It's fun as all hell to watch it as a viewer. Uh, probably not very fun to watch it as like hatching off or somebody like that. So the good thing is about that is that he's playing Adelaide again. Adelaide 2 is what the ATP side likes to call. Mm-hmm. So we never ever get this insight where we get to see one guy play or anybody play a tournament and then play the same exact tournament or at the same exact venue the very next week. So we already have a good insight of how we want to uh, play this, you know? Yeah. I mean, I am curious to see, I, I have further down the show sheet though, but we'll talk about it now. I am curious to see if him or Hatchinoff just straight up withdraw out of this thing um, just to have a little rest before the AO. Mm-hmm. So we'll see, especially, you know, won't be winning it uh is there a lot of motivation to win again but i mean and he's also made a lot of money on tour overall so he's not exactly desperate for cash um monfi though it's exciting because this is about to be after they oh it's monfi season because right before he just became you know a shell of himself he had a hot run in these like indoor hard courts uh, that are coming up with rotterdam and those type of tournaments on the other side of ao so Something to keep in mind as we, you know, if he has an early exit out of AO, you, you might not want to um, just think that he's reverting back to his old form. Maybe we get some nice prices uh, on these tournaments where he's had success in the past on the other side. Yeah, he does do fairly well at the beginning of the season, uh, usually because of that Montpellier tournament too Yeah, in his home country. So I think he's won that quite a bit. So he's always got good motivation at the beginning of the year. It's just how long he can sustain it, you know? Absolutely. And then Kakanaka is still just unbelievable how well he did. I, I don't know what that, I mean, maybe just because it was in Australia. I guess he's been working. I don't know. Let's move on to Melbourne though. That's just like where, this is where all the, the fun stuff kind of happened uh, because we had one of the big three, Rafa Nadal was back. He returned to the court. I guess he played technically in Dubai uh, in December, but uh, his first real ATP action since Washington, where he lost Lloyd Harris, I believe last time out was the last time we saw him, which we called, we called, by the way, on this podcast. What's up? And he won the whole thing, of course. He, I wouldn't say he looked great, but he looked pretty good. I don't think he dropped a set on his run to the title. But he was actually like, um, he wasn't covering in the game spreads. And the... Uh, Aside from the Rusevori match, uh, the totals either pushed or went over. So he was dropping some games. And Barankas uh, broke him when he was serving for the match in that match, uh, which I think was his first time out. So, you know, I don't know how much to read into this. Um, I, I know that Rafa on outdoor hard is like to maybe his like worst surface, but what's the worst surface for the, you know, one of the three best players of all time? Um, he's who's still 
relatively at the top of his game, but I think there are some cracks there. And I think that there are a bit more plays than usual um, that you can look for, especially with the AO coming up and he's going to play a, a few more matches in the tournament. So what did you think of Rafa, Derek? Uh, I'm still personally very upset with him for getting broke serving for the match against Barankus. It was pretty uh, the, bad. Oh, so bad. Like the board posted uh, an under 20 games. I personally made the stupid bet of 19 and a half of the under and it came in at 20. I was just absolutely livid. He cruised through the first set uh, with two breaks. It was six, two had a lot of games to work with. And then he decided, Oh, you know what? I want to play just a little bit longer. I'm going to let this guy that I don't even know who the hell he is. Brankus to, you know, just a little, I'll give him a little fun. So, he let Barankas break him twice in that second set. I couldn't believe that happened. Uh, it was yeah, very it was unlike him. But, I mean, he, he had the match completely under control. I mean, that's just from a betting standpoint that I just was personally upset with him. Um, but, like, Nadal couldn't be upset with himself after that performance. And then after that, you had Greek Spore who dropped out, so they had to walk over. And then he had Rusevori after that. And then he had Cressy in the final. So, I mean, he didn't even play a ranked player that entire tournament somehow he just like skated through that thing but i think that's all cressy's fault right yeah or well i mean dominating cressy story of the tournament this guy's awesome i don't know like he's like one of these guys uh putting it all together and and you know at the right time young guys too he's only 24 it's not like he's like karatev at 27 doing it so He's got some uh, youthful energy in those legs. And man, this guy's serve was on surface and conditions were perfect for him. I mean, his serve was untouchable at moments. And not only that, I think the big thing with him is uh, his baseline rallying suspect. But I mean, you couldn't even get this guy to the baseline because he was serving so well that, you know, you get one return, he's going to the net. And he's basically also like a gigantic uh, monster and (laughs) you couldn't get it over him. So there was a lot lot of uh, short rallies um, that was problematic. I mean, he, I mean, Dimitrov match, like we, I mean, I just faded Cressy because felt like, you know, mainly a challenger guy, but he dominated the challenger circuit to end the year. He had that first round win against Busta at the USO, which looks like not such a bad loss for Busta now, which was at the time pretty shocking. Now, not so shocked. This guy looks for, I mean, he looks for real. Interested to see how he's going to be this week, but he looks calm, composed, focused. The guy who looked like he was was reading a little book. It was like, it looked like he was like, (laughs) looking at all the numbers of the chicks he was about to call after the match um, or his mom's recipe book. I was trying. <laughs> yeah. He's just calling up these chicks to it's see like, if he, he can get into COVID protocol. Yeah. Or, or he's like looking that. at like bouillabaisse recipes. I don't know. He was like, <laughs> he, he, he um, was awesome in this tournament and um, he fits in that serve bot mold, I guess. He's a French American, but he plays for, with the American flag. French American. Um, is that a thing? I guess he's half French. I don't know. When you Google him, he comes up as a French tennis player. So Maxime. Yeah. Maxime. Uh, it's like, yeah, him and Max Cressy hang out. They could just, they could just be the, the French Canadian and the French American. And then, but, yeah, he built French things. He dusted Opelka pretty quickly. Um, yeah, and- Opelka got shit on by a bird. I still want to point that out, which is hilarious. I felt like that honestly threw him off too. Like he, uh, 
he kind of just tanked in that third set out of nowhere for just and just kind of handed Cressy that victory. Yeah, but well, that, I'm buying into Cressy myself. Yeah. Okay. I mean, the, the 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 line was four and a half in the Nadal match, which he covered easily because he, mm-hmm. you know, and I wondered if we would get the tie break because it, it's tough to break this guy's serve right now. Like, it, yeah, you, you cannot penetrate him. Like it's. That which sounds worse. I mean, hearing that out loud, can't penetrate it. Doesn't sound great. <laughs> but um, but you know what I mean? It's like you, you can't get like I will say Dimitrov Cressy match was pretty insane because Dimitrov was playing pretty well. Like it wasn't like he was out there like just sucking it up. He battled mm-hmm. hard too. So it was an impressive win. He battled hard against Nadal. I'm excited to see. I mean, you know, the clock could strike midnight and he, you know, turns back into a pumpkin. But uh, I think he's primed for a decent run here while he's still down under. Okay, so similar to how Monfils and Hatchinoff ripped at Adelaide. Adelaide? Adelaide, uh, yeah. And Cressy showed his power at Melbourne. So take a look at Cressy when the AO comes around. If he's going to be... I mean, he's already proven his point on these Melbourne courts, so that's got to transfer over to when AO starts. It's the same thing. So. Oh, absolutely, because I, I, I mean, the draw is going to be so large too. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see who his opponents end up being, because I, I think he's going to have not like the worst path early on. Um, he's not going to be drawn Djokovic or something. So yeah, look out for Cresty in the first round then. All right, Derek. Well, I think we've said enough about the tennis week that was. Let's talk about the week that will be. Let's try to provide some insight and information and just a fun discussion about the tennis that's uh, headed our way and try to figure out how to win some money. We got two tournaments on deck. We're going to start with the Sydney Tennis Classic. Uh, Aslan Karatsev coming in as the top scene in his debut for 2022. He did well last year in Australia, Derek. This is how we know who he is. Mm-hmm. This is this is this is his spot. He went from um, none to one, like literally. Yeah. Nico Bazalashvili. Did I say that right? Um, I always brutal his name up. <laughs> I struggle to say his name. He's the second seed, but it's a fun field here. Uh, we got Andy Murray in as a wild card. Spoiler, I'm going to be talking a lot about Andy Murray. We got Brandon Nakashima and other Americans, such as Cressy, who we mentioned. Opelka is here. Kyrgios was supposed to play, but COVID. Womp, womp. Uh, your boy, uh, David Goffin's in this. Oh, Goffin, that guy's <laughs> like he he won a match though. So he did. He beat Bagnus. I Everybody mean, I tweeted out on the yeah, I tweeted out on the account. Is this guy just bad now? And everyone replied, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I saw one person was just like, he's always been bad, or it's been a thing for a while. Uh, well, we'll see. But um, how we're we gonna do this? Uh, instead of we used to run through the whole draw, which was. Probably not that interesting uh, to anyone but us. So we're just going to give some general bracket thoughts and look ahead spots and uh, things we'd like to look out for. I'll kick it off here. Um, and I'm going to start with the, the top seed Karats of, I will say, um, guys have struggled in their first match so far. Mm-hmm. But that said. Yeah, and this is Karatsev's first match. And this is this will be his first match. That said, I still like him to. Uh, we boarded Giron in his first match, and he lost outright, a match he should have won last week. That was one of the reasons I say that. And then also, Andujar lost qualifying for um, this with to Durasovic, who's going to play Andy Murray. But um, 
his first match of the year. So it is a thing. The, the first match jitters is a thing. Although when you're playing Kekmanovic or Trivelia, I'm not sure how much it's going to be a thing. And I mean, unless it's like five and a half or something crazy, I mean, Karatsev to, to, to cover the game start, I think is a, a fairly decent bet. These guys both are not very good and tend to be clay guys. Any thoughts on that, Derek? Just the fact that they're just clay guys. I mean, you don't really know what to expect with those guys, right? I think Karatsev's a solid enough player. I don't know. As you can tell, the question in my voice. Yeah, I'd still roll with that. It, it's I'm hesitant just because it is the first match, but I still think it's a confident play. It might be bloated, but uh, I'm thinking if it's Kekmanovic who guts it out, um, I'm guessing it'll be maybe like three and a half, four, and a six four six four win. Or I, I think that's I think Karatsev can easily cover three and a half uh, against uh, Kekmanovic, who the books like for some reason. I don't know why, but they do. Um, Something about those Serbs with like with Kekmanovic and not the or outside of Novak, obviously. Just like it's really hard to play those guys. It is. You never Although, yeah, really know what to expect. Like. Krajinovic and stuff like that. It's just like, how the hell is Krajinovic? I feel like he only wins a bet against him. That is true. I, 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 well, I bet on him against Busta because I, I liked how he played against Dursovic. I, I thought he was hitting the ball pretty well, but um, he got broke early by Busta and it was uh, not pretty. But um, I mean, I just feel like Busta is like a guy who, who can get beat by a guy like Krajinovic. I think obviously he should beat him, but. I mean, uh, at this point now, people just dog on his lack of weapons so much that, <laughs> that I'm like just looking for spots where Busta can to, to fade him just because it seems like guys with a little bit of uh, tennis IQ and a little bit of power can probably hang with him. Mm-hmm. And, and, and Kranovich was plus 165. Pretty good. Pretty good price on him. Anyway, um, my next one, Derek, is uh, for the Sydney. I look at the winner of the Baez O'Connell match versus Sinego. Let's see what that price says in the next round. Uh, Senego needed three sets to beat Gaston playing not in Paris. Hugo Gaston, you know, if you play him in Paris, I mean, it's it's not good. The guy is in fuego there. But this is in Australia, and Senego still struggled. And uh, he had a horrible outdoor hard season on the USO circuit, posting no more than two wins in any of those tournaments. He lost to Kyrgios in the first round last year, the AO. So very vulnerable spot. On outdoor hard for Sinego O'Connell, a big serving Australian. We have some evidence that that plays pretty well with the success of Kakanakis last week and Cressy and his big serve. Baez made a splash at the next gen finals. He's lost a couple of times, but he has his legs with him. He's played a lot of matches now at this point as uh, he got in as a lucky loser last week and I uh, picked up some wins to get into this thing. So vulnerable spot here for Sinego. I would look at the price of either of those guys. And then the winner of this match between Sinego and either of those guys probably getting Karatsev on the other side. Yeah, I liked Baez at the AT, or sorry, at the next gen final. This is the first time I actually really got a good glimpse of him. I get that it was like a different format and everything like that, but still the competition's there. So I'm not going to take anything away from that. Uh, he's currently down a... Br- no, he's up a break right now in the first set, 3-1. So not indicative of if he's going to win or not. But I still think those guys beat the shit out of Sinego, right? <laughs> yeah, I think it's a good spot for either of them, and they're going to be priced <laughs> nicely. I think Sinego's yeah. going to walk in as a way too heavy favorite. 
um, against either of those guys. And I think it's definitely worth a, a shot on a nice dog against, uh, you know, Sonego, not exactly um, world beater on Aldro Hard. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'd more Baez than O'Connell. Um, but still, I think I'd be comfortable with both of those guys. I really am they- hanging on to O'Connell's win against Sinner in Atlanta last year. Um, oh. So it, it does, you know. It does give me some confidence in O'Connell a little bit. I like O'Connell. I think his game is okay from Australian. Also, people don't really talk about this, but like there's a lot of symmetry between Australian and American tennis players. <laughs> Am I right or wrong on that? Continue. It's like, it's like uh, I mean, it's all about this, like the gigantic serve. Um, <laughs> And, you know, not a lot of like, and like, I mean, no one's like super, t- like Americans are like taller, but I mean, Kakanakis isn't exactly short. Mm-hmm. Um, O'Connell, uh, his whole thing is like serving. I don't know. It just, I feel like the, the countries uh, teach a similar style. Yeah. They tennis. I think they're more brute tennis players. I think that's what you're trying to get at. It's like yeah. Amer- Americans got football. Australian has well their own football. Maybe that's just how they groom people. They just, you know, they like fast food just like us or something. Yeah, big like bash that. cricket they have. And then yeah, you can just probably go to McDonald's over here and run into Jack Sock and you probably go to McDonald's over there and run into Chris O'Connell or something like that. <laughs> but yeah, I get what you're saying though. They kind of just bigger dudes they aren't the tennis shape obviously corda is more of a tennis shape and demonor also is but i feel like corda is like what his parents aren't even american right and demonor he basically lives in spain and his mom's spanish right so uh yeah i think those are the anomalies but for the rest of the field for both countries yeah i think you're on point with that Side digression, uh, if you're listening and you think I'm totally wrong, get at me. Uh, I, I would love uh, to be put in my place. That's fine. I, that's We're here We're here to interact <laughs> with people and uh, build the community. I, I hope people from tennis. both countries. Yeah, they just come and attack people me. People from I'm, both countries and just start yelling about this. Like, we're nothing like. Nothing we're alike. Not like oh, well, that's fine. That's fine. All right, my next one, Derek, is uh, Brandon Nakashima. It's a $2 favorite versus Vasily. Vasily? Um, uh, Vesley, yeah. Um, anyway, I think he's gonna dust that guy, and he gets uh, Fonini. Uh, if he wins, they played in San Diego, Brandon won. The courts are a little bit faster here, which I think greatly benefits Brandon. So, uh, I'm going yeah. Nakashima in the games here. I think it's gonna be a pretty relatively tight spread giving Fonini as the uh, opponent on the other side and his rank. And I just think the books still price him, you know, as someone who was good, even though he's not that good. Um, so I would look at Nakashima there. I think uh, he will. Uh, I think he could literally win six zero one set. I could be wrong on that, but I think <laughs> he could literally destroy Fonini. It is mathematically possible. I'll give you that. Uh, Brandon Nakashima's powers just, it's something that is the highlight of his game, you know? So with these fast courts, obviously, like you said, it it's going to be hand in hand with that. So yeah, let's ride that. Brandon has spent, you know, the last week on the sidelines of ATP cup, uh, where he looked like he was thinking about sandwiches sitting on the sidelines. <laughs> <laughs> he, um, he was just, Fonini was like just rocking a tank top. 
on Italy's bench at the ATP Cup, it was like great because everybody else was dressed in their country's colors and then homeboys just sitting there in some like skin tight, like under armor type <laughs> tank top that was just white and just stood out and just like, I, I don't want to be here, but I have to be here sort of thing. And it's just, I don't know how much that guy likes playing tennis, but I still love watching him look like he doesn't like playing tennis. I think that's my favorite part about Fonini. I mean, he's a definite character. Yeah, he's very animated. So, all right, my next one, Derek, uh, Dan Evans. Uh, this guy also has great success in Australia. He had a pretty good ATP Cup. He won a 250 here before the AO last year. And someone to watch and a definite dark horse here in this draw. And then we have, okay, so now this is where we're going to get, this is going to be good here because now we're yeah. entering the Andy Murray discussion. I see where you're going with this. Durasovic, uh, Norway's Durasovic, who played uh, on Team Norway with Rude at the ATP Cup. Uh, he he kind of got worked a little bit that week, but he and uh, on en route to qualifying into this thing. He gets Andy Murray. Uh, the line is five and a half games. I think Murray wins, but that's a generous bet, spread for a guy who's, I mean, he's got his legs. He's played a lot already, so Murray has not. So interesting draw, but Derek, I'm going to, I'm going to, this might shock you here. I have Andy Murray winning this whole thing. <laughs> it's time. <laughs> it's time, huh? Let's see. Uh, Maybe that's my heart more than my head, but uh, he's been so impressive of late and just running into really bad draws. Like there's just a roadblock in his way. And I got to say, yeah. there's there's not that guy really here. Uh, he's finally yeah. got a pretty good draw. I mean, he's got Durasovic, then Nico. Now, Nico could easily beat him. Don't get me wrong. But he seems about as interested in tennis right now as, like, the rest of the world um, outside of hardcore tennis nerds. <laughs> um, yeah. And then uh, Goffin, Del Bonus, or Ramos would be the next round. And then Opelka or Nakashima. Uh, with Karatsev, the top player on the other side, who he would probably maybe face in the finals. So, uh, I mean, as heady a player as Andy Murray is, and with the way he's been playing, I feel like he can kind of tennis IQ his way through a lot of this stuff and come out on top. I mean, this is what he, I feel like this draw right here, and maybe why they maybe why they were so uh, keen to give him a wild card was like, man, he's, he's got a real shot here and um, why not be bold? Uh, none of these other guys are really like blowing my hair back. So I'm going to yeah. be bold and take Murray to win this whole thing. I love it. I, I mean, anyone that picks Andy Murray to win anything at this point, even a single match, I'm loving it. Uh, he did play last week. He got his ass kicked by this guy we already talked shit off by Bagnus. But uh, I, I, I mean, Andy Murray's headstrong. That's not going to affect him. Uh, he's wasn't satisfied with that. Uh, he's had a week to train since then. He's playing um, this Adelaide tournament. And if he, I'm sorry, Sydney. And if he gets past Bashley in the second round, then all of a sudden he has the number two seed. Yeah. So essentially, and this would probably be his easiest route to the number two seed that he's had in a very, very long time. So like you're saying, like there's nothing on here, this draw that really stands out as someone that's just going to take this tournament easily. 
because there's not. And a lot of these are toss-ups and uh, yeah, he does have a chance. Do I feel like he's going to win? Uh, history tells me hell no, but <laughs> does he have a chance? Hell yeah. So yeah, I'm with you. I'm just going to say, I'm not making a prediction that he's going to win, but I'm definitely rooting for it. Um, well, I will say, you know, the opening loss to Bagnus, not great, but as we've previously said, the, the opening match has been a rocky road for a lot of players. So he's got that out of his system. He's had a week to train, like you said, and uh, I, I'm going for it. Yeah. Derek, what are your, your thoughts? I'm looking at Brandon, to be honest. I, I'd like Ooh. to see him win. Yeah. He's too young, I think to win, but I mean, looking at the rest of the slate, uh, I think like Davidovich Bikina even has a chance. Uh, it's, don't be surprised if Dan Evans gets to the semis. Don't be surprised even if, like, Lajovic even beats Fokina in the first round. I want to pick somebody. My favorite to win would be Andy Murray. Second would be Nakashima. But in reality, I would take uh, probably Karatsev. If I really want to take the mental case, I would take him, like, Poprin. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, I would – or. Bonini, but yeah, oh, Popperin, another bad L for the board. <laughs> yeah, I board, feel we, like we had on the board uh, set one over with him in Greek Spore, and um, it was only ten. And uh, I mean, he gets broke once, okay, but we're still good. We can push, or or even break back. And uh, Popperin uh, <laughs> on the game to make it five four goes up thirty love, and then. Tin cup, then double tin cups it double faults twice to get 30 30 and then ends up getting broke to uh lose the set uh it's been a rough week for the board yeah hate <laughs> to see it all right derek um i also oh real quick i i have on here a best bet opelka minus two versus jordan thompson now thompson obviously australian uh so home court I mean, how much are you? I mean, how much do we really want to factor in home court? I think it matters a little bit, um, but I still like Opelka minus two against JT. I, th- I think it, I think Opelka is another one who got that L out of the way, and I, I I think he can beat Thompson here and cover that game spread. Yeah, I think the home country still matters at this point, and they've been in Australia for what maybe like one two weeks. Yeah, and. So it's still weird probably just traveling around during these times and going to another country and then worrying about their COVID protocols and all that kind of stuff. And just already being there and being a resident, it's, you have that sense of comfortability. So uh, for these new guys that are jumping in from outside, I I think there's just a a little bit of uh, a little bit of period where they have to get used to that whole thing. Uh, I wouldn't be thinking about that too much going into the AO, obviously there's the crowd and everything like that. If there's a sold out crowd, then yeah, that's going to play a difference for an Australian, but maybe not for these. I mean, you saw last week, I mean, there's not many people showing up to these tournaments. Not, not these two fifties. No, no. I mean, the Melbourne one with Rafa had a crowd, obviously. Yeah. And but like Cock and August had a crowd and everything like that, and they got him through some stuff. So I, I can't still think that 
if somebody's not acclimated to it from outside of the country, they're still going to be doing that whole learning curve. But uh, I don't know. I, I wouldn't look into it too much, especially if these players are pretty evenly ranked. All right, Derek. Well, let's move on to uh, Adelaide 2, um, the sequel that everyone wanted, demanded. Um, the finalists, uh, as we mentioned, and Mumphy and Hachinoff are back. They had actually played in the semis this time, uh, according to the draw. I have a pretty – I just am going to guess that one, if not both of these players, either withdraw or just kind of – dump so i mean if they don't withdraw i think that keeping an eye out for a spot um down the line uh maybe like uh, i like um Fuchevich to beat uh bodic in the opening round here but even if bodic gets in i think bodic or Fuchevich can beat uh mute or Struf. so maybe the the that third round Monfils just kind of packs it in has a little bit more prep time for the AO um, same with Hachinov he's going to get um, played Harris or Rendricknich so another spot there so I, I mean I would just see how these guys are doing if we don't hear they've uh, pulled out I think throwing a sprinkle on fading them as the tournament progresses uh, is not a bad way to go um, Vukic, the Australian who came into 2022 with a little bit of buzz. He had a, a solid finish to his challenger gear. He's already knocked out Bublik after losing to Stevie Johnson last week. Um, so that's something to keep an eye on. Bublik, obviously, I think that was his first match of the year. So, um, Isner has the two seed here. And he's got a pretty good path to at least make the semis. Um, probably will play Kakanakis, Stevie or Vukic, and then we'll probably get either Tommy Paul or Chilich um, in the semis. Isner, I mean, they just kind of teed this up for him to have it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really know why he got such a friendly draw, um, but here we are. And then, um, yeah, top half feels like Mumphy or Cairns to lose, although I, I – I, I mean, that's if they play up to their capability. Uh, Fucevic, I think, is a dark horse here. He had a bad loss last week, but I think that um, any given match, that guy's a very tough player. And, uh, yeah, a good spot for Tommy Paul, Chilich, Rendricknich, and Lloyd Harris this week. Those those are all names I, I, I like in this draw. Uh, we won't go, as I think, as deep as we did with the Sydney draw here, because uh, I think that there's just a little bit of air and mystery to this one. I feel the, the second week at the same tournament, some of the same guys from last week, tough, tough to know how this is going to really break. Derek, what are, yeah. what are you thinking? Uh, I'm thinking that this draw is hella watered down. <laughs> like you're saying, I mean, John Isner is a number two seed. Like you said, he's got this draw that looks pretty phenomenal for him. Uh, you got Tommy Paul already beat Tiafo. And Tiafo was the second highest ranked guy on Isner's side on his, uh, yeah, on his semi side. So, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of guys that could take this. Uh, Tommy Paul's interesting to me. And I agree. Artan Fucevic is interesting. And going back to Monfils and Hatchinoff, they were granted first round buys. Um, so maybe that time off 
a little bit might have them be able to recuperate i don't know they still might be on some sort of high but yeah just see how they play in that second round which is the round of 16 which means you really wouldn't bet on them until the quarterfinals it still sounds even scarier but yeah I, i'd i'd wait that out the round of 16 to see how they're playing if you really want to take Monfils or Hachinov, I agree. And maybe make a play in the quarters. So, uh, no. so you're taking Isner to win the whole thing or what? Well, I mean, I penciled in. Uh, I think that, I mean, it's sad to say, but I did pencil in Hachinov to win this thing. <laughs> um, even though I gave that whole speech about. Um, but, if I mean, that's if they, you know, play. I don't really, I mean, I don't yeah, really have really a good hard feel. to tell good feel for this this draw or this tournament i it's a it's a weird one to me especially of the two i feel like sydney has a little bit more uh of uh teeth to it compared Mm -hmm. to this one this one feels like it could succumb to ao prep pretty easily yeah it would be nice if like tennis journalism actually you know did some interviews with these guys and let us know how they're feeling today and all this kind of stuff but (laughs) That's just me. It feels like we're never going to be able to get that. So we're, we're stuck, which is... Uh, I do feel like you can count out. on, like... I do feel like we can count on Chilich to be, like, playing pretty well. Like, I don't think Chilich is going to, like, AO prep it because that guy's just trying to, like, win and get some cash. Yeah, since that guy fired his coach last year, that guy's been on a tear. I mean, he stunk at the Davis Cup, but let's just take that out of the equation. And... He just went on a tear. I mean, he won a, yeah. a tournament at the end of the last year, and then he went to the final, the one right before that, and that was all immediately following him firing his coach. So he's turned a new leaf, and I expect him to keep that going. Um, yeah, and then Isner always feels disrespected, so I feel like he'll have a pretty decent level <laughs> trying to, like, shove it in people's faces. He and is, then some yeah. of these other guys just need the money. I mean, like, Rinderknecht can't afford to, like, like he needs to like take down a two fifty. <laughs> yeah, he, I mean? he would he wouldn't mind taking down a two fifty or get endorsed by a hotel planner and just get slapped yeah. on the side of the his hat. Yeah, or Bodic and uh Fucevic. I mean, I feel like Fucevic is a guy who kind of uh relies a lot on momentum. I feel like when he does um pretty well, it's because he's put, put together a few solid matches in a row. So mm-hmm. um and then Mute, you know, Mute's out there. He yeah. dusted Rune. It's nice for him to play someone other than Holger Rune for <laughs> in 2022. He played him twice. So, so I finally saw Bodic play. Uh, yeah. First thing I learned is that it's not Bodic. It's or no, it's not Bodic. It's Bodic. Oh, Bodic. <laughs> That's the first thing I learned. Awesome. Uh, number two, I actually learned how he plays this game. Uh, he is like a. He, he like he slow plays it he's pretty good at defense he's not scared to go out there and try to extend the point rather than trying to just finish the point really quickly he's him in that match against dimitrov which i think is a very good person to watch anybody play against just to see how they do because dimitrov's got such a versatile game so you kind of see how the his opponents just react in certain situations um but he lost that match I don't think he has a, like very many strengths other than being decent at everything. His backhand's just not very good. But then against no Dimitrov, back, yeah, against Dimitrov, and 
no one's backhands all that great, especially against Dimitrov. Uh, Dimitrov was just destroying him in backhand rallies. Dimitrov looks pretty good. I, th- I thought he looked pretty good, even the loss to Cressy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he's got a really, really, really good all-around game. Like he, I, I mean, what was impressive too was like uh, Dimitrov was like he wasn't going ace for ace with him, but he was like two thirds of the aces. <laughs> like he, he was <laughs> like his serve was on fire. Yeah, he looked really good last week. I like watching that guy play like a lot. I think it's like yeah, really good textbook tennis. But as for Botic, it's like. Well, yeah, uh, he plays Fuchovic in the first round. If Fuchovic tries to end points early, I think Botic's got a chance there because Botic's got to be a very annoying player to play against. I mean, he was even up in the third set of a, yeah, the break and against Dimitrov, and then he blew it. But uh, like I said, if Fuchovic tries to end points early, I think he's going to lose. It's hard to tell. So maybe play that one live a little bit if – Botics looks like he's playing defense very well. Sadly, uh, I think it's going to happen before this comes out. But oh, okay. Well, if you have a time machine and other things, <laughs> but I mean, this <laughs> is good info. Like, time. I mean, he's got the whole rest of the tournament ahead, so this is all good insight yeah. into his game. So, so yeah, just keep that in mind next time you watch him play, especially live. All right, Derek. Well, they also have. Uh, we'll round to the finish. They also have the Australian Open qualifying draw, and uh, quite frankly, I uh, there are names that I know, but uh, that is uh, a very girthy draw that <laughs> of guys that I'm not super familiar with. In fact, one of the names I was going to point out was Nuno Nuno Borges, uh, who just popped up with COVID, so he's not playing. So there it goes, even that. So, um, but I will kind of be looking at added a little bit uh, and I'll, I'll probably have some plays included on the board. So check our account at MP9 tennis, um, follow us, interact with us, um, talk, you know, talk some tennis with us. That's, you know, we, we um, want to, you know, provide actionable information uh, to have fun gambling on tennis. And uh, we're trying to grow the tennis community and, uh yeah, that's why we're here. This is why we're doing what we're doing because we have a passion for it and um, come along for the ride with us. Yeah, definitely. We love to hear anything you guys have to say. So don't be scared to reach out to us. Uh, we're pretty easy to get along with. We're not going to dog on you. You can make fun of us. We don't care. Uh, we just want to hang out and talk about tennis. So uh, feel free to do that anytime. Absolutely. And uh, once again, uh, I am David EJ Berger. You can find my regular Twitter at Carl Jr. Our show handle is at MP9 Tennis. You can find us on Spotify, Anchor, most of the well-known podcast venues. Uh, Derek is at Go, Derek, what's your uh, again? Sorry, <laughs> at Derek underscore sucks on Twitter. Uh, you can find me there, and uh, you can find me on other social media websites. So, uh, you just dig deep enough. All right, well, uh, I think we've said it all, and uh, until next time, uh, see you on the court.